Have the official UFC pound for pound rankings ever been hotter than right now? I have never seen such debate, such passion about these numbers, and especially because it would appear that the process of creating them is a bit of a clown show, which is the topic of our list today. We're going to be looking at the weirdest and wildest changes that have come to the official list since its inception in 2013. I know I'd not been paying close attention to it prior to the Volk versus Islam fiasco, but after going through every week and every change since the start, oh man, this system is wacky. Hope you're ready for some tomfoolery. I'm Tommy from MMA On Point, and these are the 10 strangest pound-for-pound -pound ranking decisions in UFC history. Number 10, Pointless Swaps. Our first entry is about a whole bunch of changes that have been happening at random ever since the list's inception. In over 60 instances, two fighters in the top 10 of the pound-for-pound -pound list inexplicably swapped places without either of them having been involved in a fight, and it seems to be getting more frequent as the years go on. Let's talk about some of the weirder instances before I hit you with the big one. On October 14th, 2019, a few days after fight night Joanna We Miss You versus Watterson, Daniel Cormier bumped up from 6th to tie with Amanda Nunes for 5th. Two weeks later, he was back down to 6th for some reason. Remember fight night Cowboy versus Cowboy in 2016? Well, that event caused Dom Cruz to shoot up three spots to number 4. Fabricio Verdum, Jose Aldo, and Jacek dropped a rank. Robbie Lawler was taken down two spots. And DC Luke Rockhold and Frankie Yeager got a one-rank boost. Mind you, none of these fighters were on Cowboy versus Cowboy. But how about this one? January 4th, 2016, a whole year since JBJ last fought, and nearly two months after he was officially reinstated after a suspension, four months since Demetrius Johnson last fought, the two swapped places for number one pound for pound. That's right, and it was before the Dillashaw drama and all that stuff. There was absolutely no reason at all. People have been freaking out about Volk and Islam and who's number one, but in 2016, they just flip-flopped that shit for the fuck of it. Speaking of recent history, though, number nine, the Islam-Volk situation. Yes, it's the very scenario that prompted me to investigate these here pound-for-pound -pound rankings. In case you've been off MMA Twitter for a few weeks, or maybe you're just watching this video six years from now, Islam Mahachev would win the UFC lightweight title by defeating Charles Oliveira at UFC 280, earning him the number three rank on the pound-for-pound -pound list. When Izzy dropped the middleweight strap a few weeks later, Islam found himself as pound-for-pound -pound two, right behind longtime featherweight champion Alexander Volkanovsky, which was great because two days prior, a super fight between the two was made official for UFC 284. The implication being that the winner would be the new pound-for-pound -pound king of the sport. The fight was a total banger with Mahachev edging out a close decision victory, one that a whole bunch of fans were not happy about. The narrative going in was Islam smash, and so when it turned out to be a barn burner, there was a very weighted response by most in favor of Alex. Adding fuel to the fire that next Tuesday was that the official rankings would not change despite the victory by Islam. Feel free to fight each other over this in the comments, but I'm pretty exhausted at this point. Still a worthy entry given that one guy officially lost in a head head matchup and still managed to keep the pound for pound crown. Again, don't at me, but please feel free to fight each other. Number eight, Frankie Edgar's winning losing streak. Speaking of fighters getting their flowers for losing, Frank the Tank Edgar is another case and one that tests the idea far greater than Volk, depending on how you look at it. So the very first ever official UFC rankings came out on February 5th, 2013. And this top 10, of course, consisted of the eight divisional champions at the time, but left two spots for everybody else. Dan Henderson scored the number 10 spot as he had just come in hot from strike Force KOing Fedor, and then had an all-time classic against Shogun. The number nine slot was given to Frankie Edgar, a man who hadn't won a fight since October of 2011. He'd lost three fights in a row, in fact. The most recent just three days before these official rankings were made official. Now, of course, context is king. The first two losses were back-to-back -back lightweight title fights with Bendo. In one of those, he only lost via split. The more recent outing was against Jose Aldo for the featherweight title, about where he lost four rounds on two judges' scorecards, but it was a fun one. Now, I'm not 
not saying that Frankie isn't top 10 material. I'm just saying that at the time he was losing a lot. Meanwhile, Hennenborough was 29 and one with no losses in the UFC or WEC and had a damn interim title. But you know what? Who doesn't like Frankie Edgar? Let's give him a spot. Number seven, Masvidal's all time week. I would have to imagine that getting into the UFC top 15 pound for pound is something every fighter would love to hear. I mean, you're being told in an official capacity by the biggest promotion in the entire sport that you are one of the best 15 fighters in the entire world. Who would not want such an honor? Right, so remember Jorge Masvidal's 2019? I'm sure you do. It's that year he KO'd Darren Till in London, three-pieced Leon backstage, flying need Ben Askren for the fastest KO ever, and then beat the brakes off Nate Diaz for a special belt given to him by Dwayne the Johnson Rock. Well, yeah, that year he didn't make the pound-for-pound list. Weirdly, though, he did make it in 2020. About three full months after he'd acquired the BMF title, the official January 27th, 2020 rankings had Gamebred himself in the top 15. And of course, he was heading towards a title fight with the number seven pound-for-pound Kamaru Usman. What a cool matchup to have two top 15ers going at it. Yeah, no, that didn't happen because it only lasted a week. He was in the rankings for one week, three months after he'd last fought, and then he was gone again and never came back. Dominic Reyes replaced him for losing good to John Jones, which I can understand, but hey, nobody can take away the week of January 27th, 2020. Number six, fuck you, Fabricio Verdum. So Vulcan Islam is a fantastic example of a champion losing a bout and it not even affecting his overall pound for pound standing. I know it was a super fight, but indulge me. Largely champions losing in their own division will see a four to five spot drop. Depends mostly on the situation. Well, apparently the panel did not think highly of either Fabricio Verdum, a man who had less than a year previous dethroned one of the greatest heavyweight champions ever in Cain Velasquez, or his UFC 198 title challenger, Stipe Miocic. Because when Old Stone Cold gave Vi Cavallo the stunner and took the strap, the rankings the following week were absolutely brutal. Verdum, who was sitting at number four, dropped 11 spots, nearly off the list entirely. And what did Stipe get for defeating him? Not even a spot in the top 10, even though he just destroyed number four. They debuted him at 13 and just pumped a whole bunch of people up a spot. It's even more ridiculous when you consider how highly ranked Stipe would soon become. This is by far the biggest single drop I saw while watching Champions Rise and Fall. They did Fabricio dirty. Number five, Barrow slips down the ranks. This one isn't so much inexplicable as it was just a bizarre set of circumstances. Fighters often lose spots for reasons outside of fights themselves. It could be that they failed a major drug test or got into some kind of trouble with the law. I promise I'm not just talking about John Jones here, but yeah, you know, good example. Well, Hinnom Barrow, the former bantamweight champion who was sitting at number eight pound for pound, heading into his rematch for said title against his usurper TJ Dillashaw at UFC 177, he lost his rank because he passed out cutting weight, hitting his head on a bathtub, which gave him a boo-boo on his brain. If you recall, Barrow famously did not fight Dillashaw that night for that very reason, and instead he was replaced by a very game Joe Soto at the last minute. But not before Joe Rogan could cook him live on the prelims. This is very disappointing and very embarrassing, not just for you, but for the UFC. That interview and the general anger about the situation might be the reason that in September, Hennon would drop two spots on the rankings, despite having not fought anybody. A full month after the card, Dillashaw would be given Hennon's spot in the top 10. That was truly a costly concussion. The two would finally rematch over a year after the first fight, with Barrow losing yet again. Number four, Dillashaw's descent. One of the cruxes for the argument for many about Volk retaining his number one spot after the Islam fight was that it was a very close bout and many felt that he won. Well, a similar scenario played out when then three-time defending bantamweight champion TJ Dillashaw took on Dominic Cruz at Fight Night Boston in 2016. After five rounds, the title changed hands by a narrow split decision, one that split the media right about half and half down the middle. So given how things played out for Alexander the Great, you'd think the same grace would be afforded to Dillashaw. But you'd be wrong, you stupid idiot. TJ went from the number four pound 
pound-for-pound pound spot to number 12. He fell eight spots for a fight that a lot of people thought he won. Let me give you some perspective on how crazy that is. Ronda Rousey only fell seven spots after her devastating career-defining loss to Holly Holm. TJ loses a fight to a legend that a lot of people thought he won, and it's fuck you off to the shadow realm. Where is the consistency, folks? Number three, Ronda wins and loses. So the top 15 pound-for-pound pound as we know it today, for a brief time earlier in its life, was simply the top 10 pound-for-pound. Pound. The transition between the two took place between the week of December 16th, 2013, and December 30th, 2013. It also just so happens that Ronda Rousey fought two days before the top 15 rankings were made official for the very first time. It was a huge fight, too. It was Ronda Rousey versus her bitter rival Misha Tate at UFC 168 for bantamweight gold. They'd had a whole season of tough. The fight served as the co-main under the Weidman Silver rematch, the biggest possible show they could fight on. Rousey finished Tate with her patented armbar, and Ronda Mania was just starting to really pick up in the mainstream. So you would think that winning such a fight would either boost her position, she was at number 10 prior to the bout, or at the very least, keep her where she is. Well, because there were now 15 slots to vote on, apparently everybody decided that Johnny Hendricks deserved that spot. They could have easily just moved Ronda up and slotted in Big Rig, but they didn't. They knocked her out of the top 10, and then a few months later, she regains the spot from Hendricks when Bendo beats Josh Thompson because none of this makes any sense. Number two, Conor McGregor's unstoppable nothing streak. When the notorious decimated Eddie Alvarez at UFC 205 to become the champ champ, his movement to the number two spot on the pound-for-pound pound rankings was absolutely warranted. Nobody had ever done what he was doing. But then, of course, after that fight, Conor wouldn't see the cage again for 99 weeks. That's just about 99 ranking opportunities. Remember, they vote on every spot just about weekly. And so with such a massive absence, you would assume that Conor's position over time would greatly diminish. It did not. In fact, over the course of those 99 weeks, McGregor would never see any lower than fourth pound for pound and spent the vast majority of that time in the number two spot. What's even more fascinating is the times he moved up, considering, you know, he didn't fight for 99 weeks. One time, Stipe knocked Conor down to fourth, but the next week he would tie with Stipe, so he must have had a great non-fight. Conor got moved up to second again after Mighty Mouse refused to fight Dillashaw, and they knocked him down a bunch for that one. But going into that fight with Habib, a man he was ranked higher than, Conor was number two pound for pound, following a 99-week absence from the cage. The other top five fighters had had 11 fights while McGregor was gone. And then when he was defeated soundly and definitively by Habib, he only moved down six spots, despite not having won a fight in nearly two years. Still ahead of Stipe, Cejudo, Cyborg, Bobby Nux, Tony Ferguson, Amanda Nunes, and Thug Rose. If Connor beats Mike Chandler, I fully expect him to be number two pound for pound again for at least three years. Number one, Johnny Bones' wild ride. To say that JBJ's had a tumultuous career is like saying Francis Ngannou punches hard. It doesn't do it justice. So let's talk about this insane journey John's taken over the years. He would hit number one pound for pound for the first time in July of 2013 when Silva was dethroned by Weidman. In April of 2015, he'd go from one to gone after his hit and run incident. That next October, he was reinstated to the active roster, but he just hit somebody with a car. You can't have him at number one, so they put him at number five. He beats OSP, and by the time UFC 200 comes around, he's back to number one until he pops for the juice and is dropped to number four. Number five after DC beats Silva. Then John gets suspended and taken off the list. He comes back in July of 2017, ranked five. Then after beating DC in the rematch, he's back to number one until he pops again and is off the list. A return in October of 2018 saw him at number three and moved up to number two after he beat Gus in their rematch. Then after Stipe beat DC, John was moved up to number one. But Habib stole it when he beat Gaethje until it was official that he was never coming back to fighting. Then John got number one 
back. That is, until his domestic violence incident, which moved him back down to number two. And then, in the subsequent time since then, and because of his inactivity, John has slipped all the way down to number 11 as of this writing, because that's how this works, unless you're Connor. If he beats Gone, though, expect a huge jump. You know who else deserves a huge jump? The editor of this video, George Hutchinson, on his social media. Please go follow him, as well as Ben Rosette for the lovely music. If you could like and subscribe, that would be fantastic as well. How do you feel about the UFC's wonky rankings? Do they even matter? Sound off in the comments. Thanks so much for checking this one out. It was fun to make. So long, and thanks for all the fish.